Today's reading comes from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning in the 35th verse. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To begin our time reflecting on God's word, our Ignite uh, drama team is going to lead us in a skit, Fun Squad. Today we have a very special presentation for you, if you just quiet down. Uh, Billy, stop throwing spitballs. <laughs> uh, I've arranged with Principal Chris to bring you something that I'm sure you'll all love. Please welcome our special guests, the Fun Squad. Well, good evening, kids. We're the Fun Squad. Are you ready to have some fun? Well, we're here to tell you about the funnest thing in the whole wide world is. Do you know what that is? It's the saving power of Jesus C. H. R. I. S. Um, where's Eddie? Eddie? Yeah, Eddie, where is he? Oh, he said he wasn't going to make it tonight. What? Yeah, he said he had too much homework, but then he really wanted to play Red Faction. Red Faction? It's a game. For Xbox. I know it's a game, but why is he playing that instead of being here? He figured we had enough people. What? Five out of six ain't bad. Yeah, what's the problem? Are you kidding me? No. Look at what we spell. I should say Chris. Who's Jesus Chris? Exactly. Now do you see our problem? Oh. I wish Eddie were here. Never mind Eddie. What do we do? Do? The whole show is ruined. We can improvise. Improvise how? Follow my lead. Hello kids. We're here to take we're here today to tell you about His RC. What's this one? His radio control, like an airplane, of course. No, 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 no. What? It doesn't even make any sense. Okay. I've got it. to talk to you kids about investing mutual funds and 401ks to realize all the riches you can have. What are you talking about? There are only a bunch of kids. Never truly start saving. This is hopeless. Here, I've got it. Um, what's this mean? I don't know. I just felt like rearranging the letters. <laughs> Forget it. Let's just go, Chris. Who's Chris? It's their principal. Let's get let's get through this and out of this. Hey, 
kids, we're here to talk to you about the um, amazing speaking powers of C. A. I. I. S. G. Um, principle. Chris. Christ. Oh. And it comes to look into your heart. Um, how to have coffee. Coffee. Go with it. And he takes away your sins. Um, stains. Stains? Yeah, he uses carpet cleaner on those nasty stains. And Principal Chris died on the cross. No, 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 boys and girls. Principal Chris is not dead. I repeat, Principal Chris is not dead, okay? Forget this. You guys are on your own. Now what do we do? Call Eddie and tell him you ruined our show. Good idea. All right, class. That didn't go great. We needed Eddie, our T, to complete Christ. Everyone is gifted with something that God expects them to use uh, to his glory, and everyone is needed in their capacity. There's no, no such thing as an extra member of the church, an unneeded teammate, or a spare part of the body. Thank you, Ignite. It's important for us to, when we come to the text, ask, what is this text trying to say and do? And in this instance, who is it about? So we come to this text. Does it say to have faith over fear? Or is it that Jesus is with us in the storms of our life? Or maybe to not go out on the boat in the middle of the evening? As we heard faithfully from Ignite, it is in fact all about Jesus. The central message of this text is that Jesus is God, God in the flesh. And because of who Jesus is, we are safe in the storm, because we are saved from our circumstances of sin and death. We then can have faith over fear because of the reality of who Jesus is. Where we come to this text today, Jesus has taught a series of parables to the crowds before taking a boat out into the water with the disciples. His teaching to the disciples and the crowds is about the very nature of the kingdom of heaven. And this text is specifically tied to others that expand on revealing Jesus' authority. And we see a few texts in Mark that are centered around this. Jesus' power and authority over sickness, Mark 3, as he heals, to cast out demons in Mark 1 and 5, over the Sabbath in Mark 2, and as we know, eventually death itself. Interestingly, chapter 4 of Mark both begins and ends with references to the scene. And so, it is evening, and the disciples are out on the water when a storm happens upon them suddenly, and they are afraid. More so, they are worried to the point of dread as they think they are going to die. Some of these young men, as we know, were fishermen before becoming disciples to Jesus. So they would have known how dangerous the situation could be. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat and is woken up by the cries of the disciples. And with a simple phrase, peace, be still, Jesus commands the wind and waves to stop. And they, of course, respond to his command. Jesus then asks the disciples why they are afraid and in what they place their faith. And at the end of this text, the disciples get a glimpse of the very scope and nature of Jesus' authority. 
Now, it would be easy to approach this text and take it purely with an allegorical meaning. Meaning, as we read, Jesus calms the storm of Gale so that we can have faith over fear, or that Jesus will always be with us during the storms of our lives. Well, these points are certainly true, and they definitely hold weight. I believe that we can easily shortchange ourselves by reading this text as if this is the central or only point in this gospel account. That these points are the greatest thing we can glean from this passage. So my challenge for us this morning is to see what this text is really about. Really, to see who it is about. Of course, this is always our prayer when we encounter God's word. To glean who it is we're learning about. We know this text is about Jesus Christ, the revelation of his authority. And so this is where our, text, our focus needs to be. Jesus is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and as such has the authority to not only lead and teach his disciples about the kingdom of heaven, to cast out demons, to heal the sick and proclaim the good news, but to command the wind and waves as well. Yes, the heart of the matter is important. We do indeed need not fear what is to come in our lives. And we know that God is with us. But let's not forget who we are reading about in this text. Jesus. Simply put, without Jesus, this text would not make sense. Nor would it bring us any real comfort. With Jesus, though, this text reveals its central theme. The very word and authority in the flesh. Jesus just didn't just send his disciples out into the water by themselves. He was with them. So we see our Lord and his authority revealed through his word in this text. So first, let's see how significant that claim is. And then we can apply it to the rest of the passage as a whole. Jesus himself explains he is part of the Holy Trinity. In John 10.30 he says... I and the Father are one. This is the very reason that the Jewish people who heard Jesus say this tried to stone him in John 10.33. This is because Jesus was claiming himself as deity. So understandably, the Jews who heard this set out to stone Jesus according to the Levitical law, as they would have thought this to be outright blasphemy against God. From this we can determine how serious this claim by Jesus is. He was willing to sacrifice everything he and the disciples were doing by boldly stating who he was. If it were not so, then everything that is centered around the deity, the identity, and the person of Jesus would not matter. In fact, it would undermine the entire gospel. So you see, the identity of Jesus is important. In fact, its importance cannot be overstated. This is hammered home time and time again throughout Scripture and with many examples. The disciple John wrote in his gospel around account that the Word, Jesus, was God, was with God, and was the Word became flesh. Jesus himself was worshipped many times throughout the New Testament. Matthew 2.11, 14.33, Luke 24.52, and John 9.38. We know that when people had misplaced their faith in the world or of the world, Jesus would rebuke them out of truth and love. 
But Jesus never rebuked the people when they worshipped him. Most importantly, if the identity of Jesus Christ was in question, then why would God the Father send Jesus Christ in the flesh to take our sins to the cross? There simply would be no point. It would accomplish nothing. The sacrifice had to bear weight, an immense weight of all sin. So Jesus, the perfect sinless man, fully God and fully man, the perfect sacrifice came to be with the people as God incarnate to take our sins to the cross and to rise again to defeat death. As the Apostle Paul outlined in 2 Corinthians, only God could take on the sins of the world, die, be resurrected, proving his victory over sin and death, and doing so bringing us back into relationship with God the Father. No one else in the span of all history could possibly do this, but Jesus did. In fact, he continues to do so, as his sacrifice was so complete that it covers the entirety of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of who Jesus is, we are safe in the storm. We are saved from our circumstances of sin and death. So once we understand how significant the identity of Jesus Christ is, we can now see our lives are different as a result. It is important to note, though, that Scripture doesn't promise that Jesus will calm every storm in our lives. In fact, we know that we may encounter some storms because we follow Jesus. But the central truth of this passage is that Jesus is God. He alone has power of the wind and the waves. He is God in the flesh. This means that whatever storms we encounter, we know that they do not change who Jesus is. We know that because of who Jesus is, we can trust that whenever we are tossed about and it feels like we are sinking in life, that Jesus is still victorious. You don't need me to tell you that life is hard sometimes. Conflict happens. We can feel lost. There are times when we feel like the disciples, out in the middle of the expanse of waters, so overwhelmed with dread and fear that all we have is to cry out for help. But because of who Jesus is, which we get from this passage, we know that we are safe. Jesus went to the cross to save us from our sin and eventual death by it. So although we may be uncomfortable, we may be suffering, we may be hurting, we are, in fact, safe. We've been bought by the only thing that is precious enough to secure our safety for all eternity, the blood of Jesus Christ, which, of course, is only so precious because of his true and powerful identity. The reality is that this passage isn't only about the storms in our lives, but how we can approach them because of who Jesus is. We can then have faith over fear because of the reality of who Jesus is, because our perspective will change. We established earlier that who Jesus is and what he has done will not keep us from encountering storms in our lives. Even the disciples who were with Jesus out in the water asked, do you not care that we are perishing when they were overwhelmed by the storm? Their cry to Jesus is one of fear, doubt, and dread. Their fear was very real. Many times in scripture we see the sea referred to as this metaphorical symbol of chaos and danger. But in this very instance, the disciples are very much in a real storm. 
they most likely felt abandoned. There are certainly times in our lives when we feel this way, and we may question where God is in those times or where his purpose lies. And so this text has a huge implication for us today. Has God abandoned me to what I'm dealing with? Does Jesus not care that I'm perishing? Ultimately, we see this cry as one of deliverance. The disciples and we cry out to Jesus to deliver us from the situation we are in. And how does Jesus respond? Well, if Jesus is who he says he is, which is what scripture upholds, then he responds in exactly the way we would expect the Messiah to. Peace, be still. Why? Why these words? Because Jesus has the authority, the foreknowledge, and the wisdom that through him, he knows we are not abandoned. The disciples realize this, even if for just a brief moment. The word the text uses today for awe or sometimes fear is the Greek word phobio, or sometimes phobos. It means to be afraid, to show reverence, to be awe of, to show exceeding fear. The disciples were afraid of the storm, and of course the thought of drowning in it. But they were completely frozen in awe and fear when they realized the authority of Jesus. Jesus, when he addresses the disciples, uses another word to describe their fear when they were calling out to him. The word is delos, which actually means fearful and faithless. So the disciples' perspective changed when they realized the significance of who Jesus is. You know that life can be scary. You know that anxiety about what may or may not happen are at the forefront of our minds. But fear of what we face in life as compared to standing face to face with the God who made the universe, the God who knows all things, who has power over all things, who rebukes the wind and waves, and is ultimately the only reason for us to be afraid. Not fear of God striking us down as a wrathful and and a cruel God, but a complete overwhelming of our senses by who Jesus is. And so... We see the disciples moved from being fearful and faithless in the storm to a complete awe of Jesus. Not through any power or great epiphany of their own, but rather because they witnessed Jesus' authority firsthand. So just like the disciples, we are not left to our own fate in the boat. What it does mean for us is that we can have a changed perspective that Jesus can be trusted And so we too can move from being fearful in a life of faithlessness to being in complete awe of who Jesus is. Not because of any great discipline or thing we can do, but rather by simply seeing how amazing Jesus is. So how do we do this? By seeing Jesus revealed through scripture and God's word for us. This passage can push us to ask some important questions. Who do we believe God to be? And how does our understanding of who Jesus is affect the way we respond to difficult seasons in our lives? These questions can pop up from time to time in our lives. We may be led to respond with worry and fear and doubt. That's exactly why it's important to know that this true account of Jesus calming the storm is much more about the revelation of Jesus, his authority, 
than about us or the stone or the boat. Not that our stories don't matter, but that our stories are different because our Lord and Savior came into our lives to change our story. So we can live without fear because our perspective has been changed. Because through Jesus, everything has changed. Each of us is trying to find our purpose and direction, some peace in a chaotic life, not only for ourselves, but for those upon whom we have a direct influence, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates. We find ourselves frustrated when we cannot save ourselves from the chaos and unpredictability of life. Each of us feels surrounded by chaos, realizing that our attempts to order our lives by our power is a precarious place. There are aspects of our lives that we're simply not under control. We struggle to even control our behavior and thoughts. How often do we feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, knowing what we ought to do and doing the opposite? So Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? He asked this because the disciples were not looking to Jesus during the storm. They were looking at the storm. But Jesus is not faulting the disciples for being afraid of the storm. He is in fact calling them out for forgetting who is in the boat with them. I read a story recently about John Wesley and his brother Charles that I think is an interesting parallel to this text. On October 17, 1735, John Wesley and his brother Charles set sail from England to Savannah, Georgia. John's goal was to preach to the native people and lead them to Christ. During the four-month-long trip, a storm came up suddenly and broke the main mast of the ship. While the Englishmen were crying out in fear, a group of Moravians calmly sang hymns and prayed. John Wesley was impressed by the personal faith in the face of a dangerous, life-threatening storm. He became convinced of his inner weakness while the Moravians seemed to possess an inner strength that he did not. He later wrote in his personal journal, it was then that I realized that mine was a dry land, fair weather faith. What John witnessed is an important truth. We are not abandoned in the boat and left to die in the storm. Jesus who has authority and commanded the wind and the waves to be still, has secured you through his blood. The price has already been paid. It is done. Jesus Christ is victorious. Like many familiar biblical accounts, the account of Jesus calming the storm can be taken out of context or misunderstood or taken for granted. Some are quick to conclude that Jesus is revealed as the one who will calm every storm in our lives. This misses the main point of the text and provides little comfort. These scriptures don't promise that Jesus will calm every storm in our lives. The central truth of the passage is that Jesus is God in the flesh. He has power and authority over the wind and the waves, and he's in fact God with us. Further, because of this fact, we can trust him and choose to live in faith in him rather than fear, regardless of the situations we face. There are things in our lives that cause very real fear, but they hold no power over Jesus Christ, who has already calmed the storms and has called us to follow him. So I pray that we do so with awe and with faith, holding on to the truth of who Jesus is.
Amen.